This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, on this rather cloudy Saturday morning, uh, uh, we bid you a bright good morning. Both Charlie Dobbin and I, Frank Proctor. Uh, Charlie, of course, at her home in Prince Edward County. And I, I presume it's much the same there it is, is here, Charlie, huh? It is, Frankie. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, not bad at all. Thank you very much. That's uh, good. Hey, spring is in the air. Oh, well, yeah. This, now, this weekend... Uh, uh, unfortunately, the weather's not going to be sparkling. Uh, a little bit of shower activity both today and tomorrow. But Monday, sunshine mm-hmm. prevails, although a little cooler than we'd like. But, uh, hey, we're hey, slowly getting well, into it. Yeah, <laughs> but a little closer to normal. I mean, we just had such a blip of such mild, mild air there. It was just amazing. I, I mean, I, I certainly enjoyed it. But, you know, it's still, still like late. Early, early spring, I should say. I was going to say late winter. It's still early spring, so we won't panic, but... But I know my ground is still quite frozen. It's only thawed oh, really? the last top couple inches. Yeah. Oh wow! Did you yeah. get that tremendous rainfall on Thursday? Uh, uh, we overnight? did, like uh, sort of early Friday morning. Yeah. It was coming down in buckets oh, as I was Lord. getting out of bed. <laughs> well, it, it, it helped. I'm sure get rid of the ice in the pond. All the ponds gone. But we yeah. have seen our two mama and daddy swans out there. Oh yeah, uh, they're back. Yep, are they're they back? And they'll be. Uh, I'm sure bringing forth. A new family in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> yeah, we've got our swans are back too on our pond. Of course, your pond is right outside your your door. My yeah. pond is a block away, but still, the the swans are back and they're they're busy building the nest, and they look like they're building it in the exact same spot they had it last year. Oh, isn't that interesting? Yeah. Hey, you've got yeah. announcements from the garden clubs or about garden clubs, have you? I, yeah, I did get a note from Cheryl Penner. So thank you, Cheryl. Just giving us all a heads up that the garden, Asian Court Garden Club will be meeting. Uh, it is via Zoom on Monday, April 12th at 7 p.m. It starts with a short annual general meeting, and then Jeff McMahon will talk about the fabulous trees of Mount Pleasant Cemetery. So oh. that was, that's going to be a great presentation. Jeff McMahon is an arborist. He worked for the city of Markham for years and years, and now he actually works for Mount Pleasant Cemetery people. But Mount Pleasant Cemetery has amazing trees. It's such a it's a it's an arboretum, and uh, he's going to be talking about that. So get in touch with the Asian Court Garden Club, join them, and then you can join their meeting and catch uh, Jeff and the story about the trees down at Mount Pleasant Cemetery. Okay, and you know what? I better get the phone numbers on there, or I'm going to get you know what from you know, you know who you okay. <laughs> <laughs> the number in Toronto to reach Charlie Dobbin is 416-360-0740. Then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-744-740. And uh, please remember a little mantra, and that is call early, call often, one question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, please let our operator, Carlos, know. He'll let me know, and then I'll pick up this little bell just before we get to the air. 
that means you got your garden wings. <laughs> okay. Nice. Good. Very nice. And we have a special guest coming up on this show. Do we ever? In, uh, in a few minutes, in about 10 minutes or so, Mark Cullen will be joining us. Yeah, people, that guy's really busy all over the place. I know, he is, isn't he? <laughs> he was quoted in the Globe and Mail just yesterday, so he's everywhere. But, uh, yeah, he's going to give us a little bit of an update on what he's been up to. You know, he and I haven't talked for a while, so it's it's time to uh, find out what's going on with him. And I think we should hit him with some hard email questions. Oh, good idea. Great <laughs> idea. Okay, we better take our uh, first break here, Charlie, so we can uh-huh. have room to talk to Mark a little bit later on here. Uh, and so we'll be back in just moments, Charlie Dobbin and yours truly, Frankie. And uh, we'll deal with the questions coming in. I see we're getting the lineup on calls already. So we'll be back to those momentarily on Zoomer Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Okay, Charlie, we're having a bit of phone tag fun here. I know. So, if I, so be prepared. Oh, <laughs> I will. Me. I don't know why. It just yeah, dropped. Drops off. Well, yeah. there you go. You haven't said anything nasty, I don't think, <laughs> thus far, anyway. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. Uh, we have a call online from Helen right around the corner, maybe, here in Toronto. So let's welcome her to the show. Hi, Helen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Helen. What's going on? Well, a couple of years ago, I bought some um, hollyhocks from a nursery. Mm -hmm. And I planted them, and they were beautiful. Oh, lovely, big leaves. Next Mm -hmm. morning, I look out, and they're gone. Nothing left but stems. Oh, gee. (laughs) So (laughs) I feel that something came up from the ground in the night and ate all the leaves up. So would I be better to to plant seeds or to buy some more? I don't know what to do. I mean, either can work. But remember, hollyhocks are what we call a biennial. So if you plant from seed, the first year you'll only get leaves. The second year you'll get the big tall flower stem. And then hopefully seeds will form in those flowers and drop to the ground. And then the next year, the ones that you had are gone because they only last for two years. But meanwhile, seeds should germinate and you should start all over again with fresh hollyhocks. So that is one of the challenges with hollyhocks is that they are not a perennial. They're a biennial. Biennial. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but they're lovely. And they're such a, they, they bring back such memories of sort of old farm gardens and, um, yeah, blowing in the sun and the breeze and, Exactly, that's what happened in our household. We were an old farm garden and uh, tons of uh, hummingbirds, and uh, they were always there for as long as I can remember. Right, because they had a cycle going, like they dropped seeds, and then new ones would come up. And, you know, you don't even recognize they're different plants because they're virtually growing where the other ones grew. But uh, but they spread, right? The the patch gets bigger and bigger, and so, yeah, Yeah. they're very nice. So, you know what? If I were you, I'd kind of do both. If you can get a hold of a few plants, put in the plants, because they'll flower this year. Meanwhile, put in some seeds, and the seeds should grow into leaves this year and then flower next year. So get that cycle going and get those flowers happening. 
Ah, beautiful. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Ellen. Uh, now, glad you joined us here. Just a minute, I want to say oh, you know. <laughs> how much I'm looking forward to uh, hearing Charlie and Mark Cullen Absolutely. together. Absolutely. Well, oh. we, we better scoot along then, <laughs> otherwise okay. we'll run thank out of time, you. Ellen. Thanks for calling. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Okay. Uh, well, Mark is a favorite, right, Frankie? <laughs> yes, do, indeed. They do love him. I mean, I think they love him more than me, so they're probably... Oh, I can't Mark. believe that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a really interesting email here from right. Patricia Cunningham Ward in Bradford, who says, oh. Greetings, Charlie. I'm confused about preparing the ground for spring planting. You had mentioned about clearing debris and keeping a clean garden. Another Another gardener talked about starting the season by plowing under the old dead stems like farmers do in the field to keep the nitrogen in the soil. And then she says, I'm trying to figure out if any of this relates to the attached message. So let me read this message and we can comment on that or you can. Please resist the urge to clean up your gardens until after temperatures are constantly above 50 degrees. Many butterflies, bees and other pollinators are currently overwintering in the deadly leaves and hollowed out stems of last year's plants. So if you clean out your garden now, you'll literally be throwing away this year's butterflies, bees, and other beneficial pollinators. Wow. What do you say? I know. It's a great question. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Patricia. It's, you know, it comes down to sort of your philosophy of gardening. So back in the day, and even when I went to university, we were taught that cleaning the garden in the fall, like right down to the scorched earth look, was important. That way you would avoid diseases overwintering in your garden and everything would be fresh and clean and ready Mm -hmm. to go in the spring. Well, of course, Patricia brings up a good point that within all that, those leaves and the debris that drops down into our garden, those overwintering spots could be pests, but they also could be really beneficial insects like butterflies and and many of the beneficial Mm -hmm. bees that uh, are pollinators in our gardens. So, so times have changed and philosophies have changed, and most people do not do that scorched earth policy in the fall. Instead, what I, I do is I actually add leaves to my garden beds in the fall. I chop them up with the lawnmower, with the bag on the lawnmower, chop up piles and piles of leaves, and then put those chopped up leaves, you know, a couple inches deep, two, four, five inches deep, right over top of the garden beds for the winter. Come spring, now, do you take all that stuff away? No, but you will have to move it around a bit. You'll have to move it enough so that the the little hostas and the various perennials that are still underground but looking to to come above ground as we get warmer and warmer, um, you'll need to move some of the the debris around so those things can emerge. Um, And also, you don't want it too deep. You don't want four or five inches of, of leaves as the spring progresses, if those leaves are not disappearing into your garden, which they should, a good living soil full of microorganisms, full of worms, all those leaves will disappear very quickly. But if they're not, if they're, if they're really still sitting there, then again, take a little bit off, put some into the composter if you like, um, and, and recognize that moving, like getting air to the, to the soil, to the microorganisms, to the plant is important. So no rototilling, no plowing, don't do that. And, and you know, the point about leaving the, um, the debris there, the old dead stems, to keep the nitrogen in the soil. It's not just the nitrogen in the soil, it's the carbon. It's, it's uh, um, you know, all kinds of things are mm-hmm. in those old dead stems. So we, we really do like 
I'm a big fan of keeping that on the property, let it decompose and go back into the ground so that you're not going out to buy more fertilizer. It's all happening around you. That's why we mulch. When we, when we have a, put a mulching blade on our, our lawnmowers is we want to keep the, the blades of grass on the property rather than bagging and sending it all away. Keep it on the property, let it decompose, let it put everything right back into the land. So, yes, avoid and resist the urge to clean up your gardens is a good note. Uh, 50 degrees Fahrenheit is 10 degrees Celsius. So no cleaning up but, and no even walking on the soil yet. It's still too wet. So just stay away. Just sit back. Enjoy these, these <laughs> moments where you, you can't. <laughs> Yeah, you can't do any work yet, really, unless you can work from the edge of your driveway or walkway, stay off the lawn, stay off the garden, and let things slowly wake up and slowly start the decomposition. And eventually, yeah, you're going to move some of that dead stuff around. You might move it to the composter. You might just let it stay where it is, and it will eventually decompose. So great, great question. Speaking of work, we're going to put Mark Cullen to work very shortly here. (laughs) So we have to take a break in order for Carlos to make a connection on the phone lines to uh, get him in on the line. And we'll be back, Charlie, you and I, to have a chat with Mark Cullen right here on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, just a note to uh, a gentleman in Hamilton, Gregory, hanging on the line there. Stay with us. Don't don't hang up. We'll be back to you. But we're first, first of all, we have to welcome a gentleman, certainly recognized across Canada, probably around the world, really, Mark Cullen on the line. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. How are you? Great. Thank you very much. And you? Just great. Okay. Charlie's on, on her phone uh, in Prince Edward County. So you guys jumping into the ring and away you go. Thank you so much. Hey, Mark, how are you? I'm well, Charlie. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So um, um, I heard a rumor that you're you're moving. Are you, like, building a new home? What are you doing? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm downsizing from a 10-acre garden to a one-acre garden. Uh, oh, yeah. Mary and I, as you know, uh, live up in Stowell on mm-hmm. a farm. Mm-hmm. And um, we we are moving down to uh, Markham to uh, uh, closer to the suburbs, closer to civilization than people. Uh, and I'm creating um, my dream one acre garden and moving out of my dream ten acre garden. But my son Ben, whom you know and yeah. you've had on your show, yeah. is going to be moving into our current abode. So oh, he'll keep himself idea. busy pulling a lot of weeds this year. Excellent. Good exercise for him. He needs that. <laughs> I'll tell yeah. him you said that. <laughs> you can. It's so listen, I am I really, really, really enjoyed your latest book, Escape to Reality, How the World is Changing Gardening and Gardening is Changing the World. What I really like about this book is how personal it is. It's like a real kind of a stream of consciousness book by you, little tidbits, little thoughts. Some some really good 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 stuff in here. Well, th- thank you very much, Charlie. That's exactly what it was intended to be. It, it, we, I am, you know, I'm I'm kind of done doing how to books, uh, how yeah, wide the say. holes would be and how deep. I've that's right. I've had that for like twenty five years, and mm-hmm. I'm really what it what what excites me about gardening is the direction that it's taking right now, the interest young people have in it, and why. Mm-hmm. And how we're becoming as gardeners at every generation, every age bracket, closer to nature. 
and this idea of pollinator gardens and attracting birds and poll- and 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 uh, growing food, Ooh, yeah. you know, all these things are are so exciting, and mm-hmm. it, it's like somebody in the last few years just threw away the rule book. Have you discovered that? Well, I have because you know I teach at Durham College. I teach horticulture, and and I wonder. I think there is a connection between the legalization of cannabis. Because gardening became very cool when cannabis became legal. <laughs> Smoking, <laughs> if you got him. <laughs> horticulture was like everybody wanted to be the best horticulturalist and grow the best cannabis. So I, really? the, the students, I mean, there was such a mixed bag. They right out of high school, some of them. Some of them are second career people. So, you know, they run the gamut uh, age-wise and experience-wise. But, but the, the um, enthusiasm and the engagement in learning is so fun. Like, I totally love it's that part of the teaching, the, the, the questions and the, where their brains are going. And you're right. It is about um, sustainability. It is about, you know, walking lighter, lightly on the earth. It's, it's about, um, yeah, growing your own food. And these, many of these people are parents, and they have small children, and they, they're getting their kids involved in the gardens. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. It is a, it's a very interesting time for sure. Uh, in this, well, uh, I think your observations about your own students are really, really interesting. And we could have gotten you to write, I think, a fascinating chapter for us in Escape to Reality, don't you think? Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Modestly <laughs> speaking, yeah, it would be terrific. <laughs> think of that for the next book. What, what were you going to say, Frank? Oh, I was just going to mention the fact, I think, that because of the pandemic, now we're into the second spring of the pandemic, mm-hmm. that might have a lot to do with folks taking up gardening again to just mm-hmm. get busy doing something uh, rather than sitting watching TV all the time. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And we're seeing, I'm sure Charlie's seeing this too, this increase in demand for gardening Generally, I, I really think that this this crisis mm-hmm. has fast-forwarded trends that were already existing in, in, in the gardening profession by 10 years. You, yeah, meaning that just the people that are at home are suddenly getting outside and getting a bit dirty much more quickly than they might have. They might have waited another 10 years till they were semi-retired before they got out into the backyard. Yeah, that's right, and maybe not as intensely as we currently mm-hmm. are, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just gather my senses based on what I hear from landscapers, mm-hmm. landscape maintenance companies, and and operators and retailers, especially mm-hmm. um, that 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 the enthusiasm is unprecedented. We've never seen seed sales <laughs> like, like we've seen this year. And I, I don't know about you, Charlie. I went online to order a lot of my seeds in January yeah. and found that some of the seed varieties and species I wanted were already sold out. Wow. That was exactly. January. I, well, I heard from some of the seed suppliers that people started ordering in November because right. they were worried that if they waited too long, stuff would be out of stock. Well, and how many times have those seed, those same seed companies literally shut down their website to ordering and said, uh-huh. uh, and I've seen this in quite a number of times, we're not accepting orders this week or until, uh-huh. you know, whatever, and they'll give you a date wow. because we're catching up. We're right. overwhelmed in catching up. Exactly. And, and that, that alone should tell every one of your listeners that if they're thinking of uh-huh. buying some seeds or some plants this spring, earlier is better would be... I think a really good rule. 
Yeah. For those those just tuning in, maybe uh, you're listening to The Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. And our special guest, uh, along with Charlie Dobbin, of course, is Mark Cullen. And Mark, if you thought you were going to get away scot-free from answering (laughs) questions, wrong, oh, buddy. I've saved a a little email that I thought, I'm going to shoot this to Mark and see what he has to say. It's from Sheila Mitchell. And she says, hello, Charlie, the snow has melted. We have unwelcome guests in the grass area making long spiral tracks in the grass. I think it's moles. How can we unwelcome them? I have heard that they do not like coffee grinds. Anything else we can do? Could you help this uh, lady out, uh, Mark? <laughs> well, um, is that for me or is that for you, you Charlie? No, well, that's for you. <laughs> it's, well, it's technically for me, but I figure with all your experience on your 10 acres up yeah. there, you know, north of Toronto, you might have some good experience with moles. I, I don't have a lot of experience with moles, though I guess that's coming now that I'm much more rural myself. But, yeah, do you have any thoughts on mole control? Well, uh, yeah, don't control them. Like, <laughs> the, the truth is they were doing something under the snow that, that, sure. that they're finished doing. So the question isn't how do I control moles, but rather... What do I do about the damage that occurred to my lawn when the moles were under the snow burrowing through it? Mm-hmm. And, and, and the answer is give it a good rake, put down some triple mix and some good quality top, um, uh, sorry, grass seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, rake it smooth, step on it and water it. Uh, mm-hmm. Fertilize your lawn this spring with a good quality fertilizer. Those things will repair the, um, the damage, which is fairly moderate, by the way, they're not they're not wreaking havoc. It's not no. like you got a moonscape you're suddenly dealing with. This no. isn't like raccoons tearing up your lawn in July looking for grubs. No. Um, and and so and the other thing is the lawn repairs itself very nicely this time of year. You know, a month from now we're going to be having a hard time keeping ahead of all the grass cutting, and that's just typical. That's that that's May. That, that yes, just man. happens just as reliably as the sun comes up in the morning and. Down at night. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, in terms of controlling them, um, there are lots of there are lots of ways that they will get controlled by hawks, by owls, by um, you know the yeah. opossum. I don't know if you've talked about possums on your no, show. No, not lately. Uh, but yeah, you know, possum, possums not. are the gardener's friend, and, I know. and they're out there controlling things like moles and a lot of insects that that we consider troublesome as well. Mm-hmm. Good point. Yeah, no, good point. Have you seen uh, possums up at your place? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I, um, I have 14 bird feeders, so I have a, good, uh, a very healthy yeah. possum population <laughs> uh, between the, the possums and the skunks. They're, they're well fed here. I bet they are. <laughs> and you so, know, they're my friends, Charlie. Of course. Uh, people all get all, yes. all, all wound up about skunks, but. You know, uh, they they are so harmless, and if you don't bother them, they don't bother you. Now, if you've got a dog or a cat, that's a different story, perhaps, especially kind of a dumb dog will really <laughs> get itself in trouble around a skunk, and, and I'll be the first to say, well, that's no fun. But in terms of what skunks do for us, it far outweighs any negativity. They do. They eat all. Well, they're they're carnivores, right? That's what they're doing. Is they're eating up all kinds of grubs and things that are in might be doing damage to our gardens. Yeah. So um, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think that that's it's so much of it. And, and what the course I'm teaching right now at Durham College is called an Introduction to Soil Science. And soil, as you know, you never grow a great garden without great soil. And right. 
So what I'm teaching my students, it always keeps coming back to uh, cycles and circles of life. And before you know it, we're all breaking into song because everything is always, you know, you support one thing that supports another thing that comes around and supports another thing. Like everything's connected. It's and, true. Um, and it's not a hierarchical thing. This is not no. a period pyramid scheme. This not at all. It's a network. Like long before the Internet, mm-hmm. there was the natural net. And it's the way... It's the way uh, nature combines um, all of all of the things that we take for granted outside of our living quarters and places where we work, uh, and 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 that's why it's important to have a balance. And mm-hmm. you can't go wiping things out and then expecting the net to continue. The nature's net right, to exactly. continue to function the way it should. No, and so, so much of humankind's intervention has been short term thinking, unfortunately. And that's where I'm quite optimistic about the future, because as you point out, so many of the millennials who we kind of group them in this whole, you know, sort of generation of young people, but so many of them are not thinking short term. They seem to have a very, very good understanding of a longer term vision. And, and they're the ones that are thinking about growing food and supporting pollinators and cleaning up, you know, the garbage that's collecting along the banks of rivers and all that sort of stuff. So, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty, I'm pretty optimistic about a lot of the future when I look at so many of the young people. I think they're on the right track. It wasn't that long ago when humankind believed that DDT was the ultimate answer to everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Just and we now know better. Yes. Well, and if we'd been thinking, we could have known better sooner, but... Um, <laughs> well, that's true. We are a little slow, aren't we? I'm talking about humankind. I'm not talking about you and me, but... No, not at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sometimes it does come back to the economy, unfortunately. <laughs> we don't need to go there. No. One of the, one of the recent uh, well, kind of inventions, or at least techniques, that a lot of people are, are seeming to use, particularly I'm thinking of those who have apartment uh, balconies that they have a raised garden on. Um, do you find that, uh, Mark, that a lot of people are now moving to, especially, I guess, older folks who have a little more trouble getting down on their knees to do some gardening. If they well, have a raised, yes. raised garden, um, it's great. We're seeing a lot more of that. Perhaps you're right about um, people who are less mobile than they once were mm-hmm. uh, getting your food and your, your gardening experience, whatever that may be, off the ground is is uh, makes good sense. But also people that are... Um, that are in tight spaces and growing in very limited real estate, uh, um, they they are also putting in raised beds. And there are a lot of good reasons for doing that. You know, you'll get fewer weeds, you get an earlier start to the season, and um, and accessibility. You, you can also, uh, done right, you know, if you employ some of the principles of square foot gardening, you can produce a lot more food per square foot in a raised bed than you can in a garden as well. So there are a lot of reasons for doing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's an awful lot of balcony dwellers and uh, right. people that that is, that's their land, that's their garden. It's all in pots on balconies and window ledges. And, uh, and, and there's so many things. Well, what sort of interests me as well is 
the breeding, the selecting for vegetables, particularly that are smaller than average and designed or selected specifically for container gardening, which means it's just, it's excellent. I mean, there you can be on your balcony, you can have carrots and kale and tomatoes and beans and some very ornamental, great looking plants with some, you know, very productive plants that are really well designed for the container, the life in the container. Yeah, that's right. Right off the top, uh, Mark, you had, or at least Charlie had mentioned the name of your book that she so enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Could you repeat that for folks who maybe want to pick that up at Chapters or any other fine bookstore? It's Escape to Reality. Okay. How the World is Changing Gardening and Gardening is Changing the World by Ben and Mark Cullen. And and Ben uh, has been here on Charlie's show, on your show, and uh, um, he's my son. He's 29, I'm 65. We both have different points of view on how the world turns, but uh, we came together on this book and had an awful lot of fun writing it. Mm-hmm, I bet. I, I love when, when um, and as I said, it, it, it feels quite personal, a lot of what you've written here. And there's this one little area where you're talking about relax the urban standards, because, you know, you came out of a fairly suburban garden, I think, in the Markham area, and moved up to your 10 acres, and now, as you said, you're shrinking it down a bit. But I've just done the opposite. I've gone from my suburban Richmond Hill garden into a two-acre uh, situation in Prince Edward County. So I'm really having to learn about not being so perfect because, you know, right. in the suburban garden, you, I could be perfect. I could make sure every weed was, was annihilated or pulled or dealt with. Whereas here, it's, it's a pretty nonstop. Uh, yeah, there's not going to be much perfection here. So I'm, I'm got a lot to learn. It's also very, very windy here. So I've got a lot to learn about that too. Gardening in extreme wind. Well, I, I say to my friends that move from the burbs to the country, leave mm-hmm. your urban sensibilities in the city and relax a little bit and let mm-hmm. Mother Nature show you how you can create a beautiful garden uh, that is different from the yeah. garden you enjoyed in the city. Because if you, try, if you try importing your urban sensibilities about what a great garden looks like to the country, you drive yourself crazy. <laughs> exactly. So that was very good advice from you in this book. Sage well, advice kind indeed. Of yeah. I appreciate it. Gee, I have the unenviable task of saying our time is limited, and guy, yeah, we, we've got to kind of wave bye-bye, but what a treat to have uh, spoken with you today, uh, Mark, and all the very mm-hmm. best to luck to you and Ben on the book. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to talk to you both. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. Take it easy. Good luck with the, the new garden, and I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Okay, <laughs> keep your knees dirty, too, and have a great spring. I really appreciate your time this morning. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. All righty. We have to take a little break, Charlie, in order mm-hmm. to get back to a gentleman who's been hanging on the line there from Hamilton for roughly 20 minutes, bless his heart. So, Gregory, we're coming back to have a chat with you, or at least you have a chat with Charlie, in moments, The Garden Show from Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, Charlie, let's rescue a gentleman in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gregory, very patiently waiting in the line there. Good morning, Gregory. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Good. 
Excellent. Good. Uh, good. Uh, I, uh, Charlie, I called once before because I have a hibiscus uh, mm-hmm. tree form, uh, mm-hmm. and we put it in the back room. We talked before, and you said move mm-hmm. it inside the garage. So I moved it in the garage. What do I do with it now? I also have a friend that has another hibiscus, which is a bush form. She put it outside maybe about two weeks ago, left it out overnight. Mm. It definitely looks, yeah, it's too cool. It looks like it's dead. Yes. Yeah, but can I what? save it? What's next? Plan? Well, okay, so you both of you have kept your hibiscus inside for the winter because it's a tropical plant and obviously doesn't want frost. So the main thing, you, this, your hibiscus right now, I can't remember why we put it in the garage. Why did we put it in the garage? Um, well, I put it in the back room because it had, it, had, it had looked like it was on its last leg, so we had put it in the. Uh, we had put it in. The, I think you said just to. I thought you said to put it inside it in a colder area, in a colder spot. Okay, so as long as it didn't get frosted, it'll be fine. They're very vigorous, tough plants. As long as we keep them above zero. Um, putting them in a cooler area for the winter just slows them down, puts them kind of into a semi-dormant state. Um, well, obviously, days are getting longer. Uh, plants know this. They're responding. Indoor plants and outdoor plants are recognizing that spring is in the air. So I would, <clears throat> I'd be getting that, that hibiscus into a warmer spot if you can. I'd certainly be getting it into as much light as you can. <clears throat> and I would be watering it, obviously, as required. So you don't want it to be bone dry. You don't want to give it too much water if it doesn't have many leaves on it at this point. If, you're, if a plant requires pruning, which hibiscus usually do, now is the time to prune them so that you won't have to prune them next summer and fall when you're bringing it back inside and it's covered in leaves. Okay, okay. So light and, uh, light and warmth. Yeah, light, warmth, and, and appropriate pruning just because they can get awfully big over the summer. Thank you and, very much. Okay. You're, you're thank, welcome. Thank you, Gregory, and thanks, uh, thanks yeah. again for your patience and waiting on the line there. Um, we have an email here from Elizabeth in Milton, Charlie. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a red-orange climbing rose uh, really put on quite a display, but it was devoured by insects, so it mm-hmm. got to be so much trouble and so much work. They dug it out, and they need a replacement of some type, but they say not a rose. We're located along the Lake Erie south of Rodney. It's a sandy location, full sun from sunrise to 3 in the afternoon, uh, located on the south side of our summer home. So we'd like a, a red-orange flowering perennial that flowers through the latter part of summer and into October. Can you make any suggestions for them? Yeah, so this was a good question, very specific. Mm, yeah. <laughs> All right, so anybody out there who's looking for late summer, red-orange flowering, of, of a size, you know, three, four feet tall. Here's a few suggestions. And one, actually, you know, Gregory was just asking us about tropical hibiscus. There is a perennial hibiscus uh, available in, the, in garden centers that we, is an outdoor hardy hibiscus. Um, there's three hibiscus, right? Tropical, then there's the Rose of Sharon, which is a shrub, and then there's the perennial hibiscus, which is a herbaceous perennial. One of them is called Midnight Marvel, uh, there's another one called Summer in Paradise. Both of them are going to grow, you know, 130-ish centimeters tall, so three and a half feet tall. They do bloom late summer, early fall, and they will give you that red and orange. Um, echinacea is always a great one for late summer color. Echinacea, not as tall as a, as a hibiscus, more like, um, you know, half a meter, 50 centimeters, whatever that is, two and a half feet uh, or two feet. There's one called um, Double Scoop Cranberry, 
echinacea, which is a super red, kind of a deep red echinacea. Um, Nipophia, Nipophia, K-N-I-P-H-O-F-I-A. One called Mango, Mango Popsicle. What a great name, Mango Popsicle. So that's an orange. Nipophia, the other name for Nipophia is Red Hot Poker. So it's a tall, very showy, uh, wonderful, again, 40 centimeters, roughly tall. Um, perennial lobelia, lobelia cardinalis. If you've got moisture, that's a great blue, red blooming um, perennial, about 70 centimeters tall. And monarda, don't forget monarda. Bee balm comes in all shades of reds and purples and deep pinks. Blooms late summer through to the fall. Very, very uh, great plant for pollinator support. Um, it's called bee balm for a reason because the bees absolutely love it. And, of course, it's all highly edible. You can use it for teas and all kinds of things if you want to harvest some in order to use it in, uh, over the winter. So, yeah, so there's a, all, there's a few suggestions right there. And, and Frank, I know you're going to want to suggest that people, if they miss <laughs> you, some of that, you have, a, have another was, way to listen. <laughs> you knew I was leading up to that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, so. it's called our podcasts, and you just go online, zoomer.ca and Zoomer Radio, and you get to a podcast, and then you can pick out any show, and you'll be able to run it back, listen to it, write down all the information that Charlie gave a whole... Uh, copious amount there, so uh, that would that would be most helpful. Your I know, and we we do have to take another break here, Charlie. But okay. we want to come back and say hi to Marion online from Etobicoke. We'll do that next on the Garden Show from Zuma Radio. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin exclusively on Zoomer Radio. All righty, Charlie, time to uh, welcome another caller online here, Marion, calling in from Etobicoke. Good morning, Marion. Hi, good good morning, guys. Good morning. A question, please. I would like to, if possible, just buy one of the big squares of compressed earth, uh, like namely the ProMix, and they have it in the flower one and the vegetable one. If I bought the flower one, could I use it for vegetables, or is there something harmful in it for what when you want to eat the product? Excellent question. And you're absolutely correct. You can use one for everything. Uh, there's no, frankly, they're probably absolutely identical in terms of what's inside the bag, but their pictures on the bag are different. So the vegetable one will show you pictures of vegetables, and the flower one will show you pictures of flowers. But think about it. Most of the vegetables we grow are not most, but some of the vegetables we grow are flowering plants. I mean, we wouldn't have tomatoes if we didn't have tomato flowers and then the fruit um, or cucumbers or squashes or uh, so many of the vegetables, like I say, we grow are rely on flowering first. So never hesitate to use the same soil for both. Oh, that's excellent advice for Marion in Etobicoke. Uh, moving along to uh, Scarborough now, there's Bob on the line with a question for you, Charlie. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I have a quick question for you, which I'll have to get through here. I'm attempting to grow dahlias this year, and uh, I'm not too familiar with growing them. They grow them different in the south and in England, and yada, yada. Mm-hmm. But anyway, I bought about 10 from a nurse, couple of nurseries in the package and one from a big bulk store and they're contained in a plastic contain, uh, bag mm-hmm. with a wet medium in them and then when I brought them home and opened them up I thought well I better 
see how they are, and they were kind of damp. And uh, two or three of the bags, they were rotten, like they were squishy, and they were yeah. dried up. So why do they put the moisture in there? Aren't they supposed to be dry? No, dahlias are one of the few um, roots, really. It's a dormant root that we overwinter with moisture. Okay. Um, you're right. So many bulbs are truly um, dry. Over, and gladiolas are an example over the winter. Um, certainly things like garlic and tulips and all those things are always, when, when they're dormant, they're dry. But dahlias, we keep moist. So, um, yeah, if there, anything is mushy, then don't even attempt to deal with it. Uh, just right out into the composter or into the garbage. But if the, um, the roots are firm, they're, they're actually tubers, if, they're, if they are firm, I would get them into some pots uh, with some potting mix uh, sooner than later and get them into a sunny windowsill somewhere and, and wake them up, get them to start growing so that you will have actual plants to go outside once we are frost-free uh, rather than trying to hold them in a state. See, they keep them in refrigerators all winter, and then when they get out into the stores, they're in the heat of the stores. And that's what starts to wake them up, and that's what starts them to begin uh, to really suffer in those plastic bags. So getting them into, into pots would be great. Oh, okay. Well, that, that resolves that because they, uh, they seem to be damp. I was reading where they, some of the nurseries, they wrap singularly, you like that word, in uh, saran wrap. I guess that's to keep the moisture in, is it? Yep, exactly. But you do have to open it every now and then just to allow some air because these things are alive. They're, they're dormant but alive. So uh, you don't want to set up an environment in which they will end up dying. And inside a wrapped plastic with no air um, moving back and forth, no gas exchange, will ultimately kill the tubers. So every now and then you have to open and then close. Great. Thank you for okay. the feedback. Appreciate it. Okay. Thanks, Thank Bob. you, Bob. Good luck with that. Dahlias are fun to grow, trust me. <laughs> I think we have time for an email here. This okay. in from uh, Terry Jaroznik. She says, uh, Morning, Charlie. We love listening to your show from uh, beautiful Niagara Falls. So every year we hang up a total of eight flower baskets along our fence and on top of our front porch. Our resident family of squirrels have adopted all the baskets and use them as a playground. They jump into the middle of the baskets and no, oh, they dig the roots and so forth. They've tried coffee grounds, hot chili pepper powder, uh, and nothing seems to really work. Uh, can you make a suggestion to, to uh, get rid of these little nasty guys? <laughs> so this is like Mark saying, you know, like don't yeah. try and get rid of the moles. Look on the bright side. They are your friends. So, I mean, squirrels can be very entertaining. There's no question. Um, here's some suggestions. I always think of this when the Obamas lived in the White House. They would always plant extra bulbs, 10% extra tulip bulbs in the fall for the squirrels because you, you can't beat them, just, like, deal with them. And so same with pesky squirrels that are, you know, creating problems in the baskets. Maybe what you need to do is set up a bit of a, a, a squirrel feeding station somewhere far from your flower baskets. And, you know, they love peanuts. They love the shells, you know, in the shells. Maybe get a, get a, set up a little spot for them. Let them have their corner somewhere else in the garden that's going to protect your baskets and allow them to be safe. Um, and I have found it can be quite useful. <clears throat> Dollar store plastic forks, break off the handles, and then stick the plastic forks down into your baskets with the tines up, but just below the surface of the soil. So you can't see the plastic forks, but as soon as the squirrels start 
uh, popping around, digging, and having having a play time in your baskets, they're going to start stepping on those little fork, sharp little fork tines, and they're not going to like that at all. So they will abandon pretty quick because it just won't feel good on their little feet. Sometimes people, when they're cutting down their roses, will hold on to some of their the canes, the old thorny canes of their roses, and lay them on the surface of the soil of their baskets, just again to make it an unpleasant experience for squirrels for popping uh, in and out of the baskets. Aluminum foil can sometimes work. Many animals do not like the the feel or the sound of aluminum foil. I know it looks silly, but it um, and you wouldn't leave it there forever and ever. But you could certainly try it. When the uh, baskets first arrive, if they try to jump in and you've got some foil in there on the surface, they may just jump right back out and not want to go back in. Um, and then, you know what else? Sometimes people will try dryer sheets. You know those really smelly yeah, yeah. sheets people put in the dryer? Squirrels don't like those. They, that's a very, very overwhelming smell. And uh, tie a couple of those on the um, hangers of your baskets and, and just kind of set that up in that environment early in the season. And again, you may be able to... Yeah, just teach them, and this is not a good place to be. But give them somewhere else where it will be a good place to okay. be. Okay, and you know what? we got to go. We're oh, a little we, over time here. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Frankie. Okay, Charlie. And thanks, Carlos. Yeah, that went really fast. I did it ever. <laughs> Have a see good one, huh? Hey, next week. See you next weekend. It's Easter next week, too. So yes. we'll see you then. Okay. Bye-bye. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.